Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Joel Elston here. It's Thursday, December 15, 2016. Christmas only 10 days away. And we are continuing our new series of episodes discussing the world-famous book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. We began last week with Chapter 2. We actually skipped Chapter 1 because uh, it's a little bit generic and we figure you can read that on your own. By the way, you can find a copy of it almost anywhere online. It's, it's now public domain, so there are a number of different places where you can just download a free PDF copy if you'd like to. I think you can actually even get a free copy on Amazon, or you, or you can even spend a buck or two and buy a copy either for your Kindle, or you can have it, uh, you know, an old used copy sent to you. But uh, Joel, one way or another, it's a really good book to have, even if you're not listening to LOA today. Absolutely. And, and most of our law of attraction gurus or uh, people that, that have a practice or belief in the law of attraction started with this book or believed this was sort of the beginning of the concept of the law of attraction or the understanding of it, at least. It, and it really was, truly. I mean, because as you read it, it, it almost sounds like you're reading about the modern day gurus. It's pretty clear a lot of them got inspired by what he had to say. Completely, and I, I, I find it to be uh, uh, a great resource tool that that when I'm in doubt or when I have a situation where whether my personal life or working with a client, I I almost find this as a, a go-to resource guide of uh, maybe some suggestions for my for me to get through things, help someone get through things, uh, and it always seems to, to to it never seems to fail. I always seem to be able to find some suggestion or reminder, or it puts me right back on track. Well, it certainly did that for me this week, as I told you before the show, and we'll, we'll get into it as we get into the discussion here. Um, one thing I also want to touch on before we get into Chapter 3, Chapter 2, of course, we did last week, which is the topic of desire. And one thing we, we kind of slid past, we really, really didn't talk about a lot, was that he talks about a burning desire. And we didn't really define what a burning desire is. Uh, now, when I heard that term for the first time, I said to myself, well, what is it? Is it like your desire is on fire or something? What, I mean, that sounds painful. <laughs> so right, I exactly. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what a burning desire is. But he, he's obviously trying to describe that it's a very intense desire. But how, how do you think of a burning desire? Well, to me, the, the, the concept for me was always a, a desire. You want it more than anything. It's a desire that drives you. It's, a, a, it's, a, it's really in the deep dark regions of your soul that you want something you know if i want a a a box of ice cream or something it's like that's what i want but it's not a burning desire to go get it and i I think that uh when we learning to apply or develop a burning desire for what you really want becomes a very key point and i think that's what he's trying to point out yeah i think that makes sense the uh the chapter that follows is a chapter called faith and it's become very clear to me, particularly this past week, that the, the desire and the faith are almost so completely inseparable that if you try to define one without the other, it starts to become meaningless. So that's part of why I raised the question of burning desire, because um, if the faith is feeling weak, it doesn't seem like any desire, no matter how important it is, is burning. <laughs> well, it, and that, I think that's the point of why it's so effective, is is it, it gets to that 
burning, developing a burning desire when a person gets into a, a funk or, or their life isn't going where it needs to be. I don't think there's burning anything. I think there's a, a, a lackadaisical, not, not, not that they're a bad person or they're, they're anything along those lines. It's just that they sort of lose that, that, that taste for life and, uh, and a burning desire helps get, you know, when you wake up excited about something, that is that is where all this comes about. Trying to to become excited, become believing that this is really going to happen. When you implement that, that's what attracts everything. And and when you're in a state of mind that you don't have it, that you can't have a burning desire or even a, a deep feeling about anything other than just sort of a lackadaisical approach to life. I think that's where people get stuck. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and indeed, that's why the whole chapter of faith becomes important. Uh, in fact, the the subtitle is kind of a, a it's like a foreshadowing of what the the, the, the chapter is really going to emphasize because it says faith visualization of and belief in attainment of desire and that visualization is actually the key word because that becomes a, a very very important part of what the whole faith chapter is about in fact the like the first I don't know 10 15 pages whatever it is um, he's he's talking about how important faith is but interwoven into it is this concept of how important it is to do what he calls auto-suggestion. In other words, training your subconscious mind to believe in faith. And on first reading, that's if you've never been exposed to that before, and I remember it the first time I read the book, the first probably the first ten times I read the book, I'd get to that section and I it, it would kind of not resonate right with me because you don't really think of faith as being something that you train into yourself. Yes, and and that that's that's something, and a lot of people have a connotation of religion gets attached to that as well, right? Which which turns a lot of people off. Or, or, and 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 you know the 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 first line of this chapter is something that I actually have printed and in a frame. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I've had that for a long time. It says, "Faith is the head chemist of the mind," and that that is. That is something that struck me, and I, I years ago, before I, I did any research or really any understanding, I read that line, and for some reason it resonated with me, and I was I was fascinated by chemist uh, and what what how they could you know I'm, I'm trying to think of the times and you go what did he mean by that, and it wasn't until years later and and it's really come about this last year since I stud, started really studying the the term epigenetics and and quantum thinking and understanding how everything works that it truly is faith truly is the chemist of the mind and there's science to back that up mm. and, and that that's the amazing thing to me is this is this book is is ancient I mean it's, it's long before I was born was it written and and it, it just for them to, to for him to not even have a, a, a definable uh, scientific backing of what he was saying, he nailed a scientific theory that wouldn't be developed for, you know, a hundred years or however long it's been. That, that's true. And, and to add on to that, he also is reflective of the state of science at the time that he wrote this, because for the longest time, and even to a certain extent today, um, epigenetics and, and all that, I, I've been studying it, Joel, at your behest, just because you've been talking about it. So I've been reading some of the books. I just saw the movie The Living Matrix and and I, I've been you know, delving into this thing. And the one thing that, that grabs your attention first when they're talking about how this whole thing evolved was the realization that for the longest time, biology, medical science, and so forth has been about 
the chemistry of the body and and the idea that uh, it, it, they call it the uh, the mechanical body the idea that uh, all illnesses are mechanical in nature if you just know the right combination of chemistry to insert in the body you'll cure the body of diseases which is true for uh, the short term and true in, in an immediate sense, but it tends to fail for anything that's you know chronically related or you know most of the dread diseases that kind of thing. Um, but it, in that context, it makes sense to describe a head chemist because for the longest time, all of medicine and all of biology was treated as being a purely chemical thing. So the idea that faith could actually play a role in that if, if you're trying to express this brand new idea what do you do you do it in terms of you know the way science is expressed during your time completely and that that's the that's to me where, where the the book uh sort of legitimizes itself if that's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a way of saying it it, it it brings it to he really did discover something and th- this idea that how the brain and and you know within the body of, of not just not just physically but every chemical that the drug manufacturers are making uh, is is available within inside the body the body can create anything when when it's in a healthy state and it can really cure anything and I really believe that but at taking it beyond just the physical side, the, the body or the mind will adapt to what you truly believe. And that's where that burning desire has to match what you're really seeking. If your burning desire is not a burning desire, then, then, the, then the brain doesn't necessarily buy into the concept of what you're trying to sell. But when it becomes that waking, what I call that waking moment drive, where you, you wake up in the morning and that's the first thing you think about and that's where it, then, then the mind has, says, okay, we're all in now, so we're, we're going to make that happen. And, and that's, that's all the stuff, that void that becomes uh, apparent becomes filled. And I think that's such a, uh, a key component of, of understanding how faith drives the law of attraction. And, and it, it, it's, you and I have talked about this on so many different occasions in so many different ways. There's a walking the line between faith and then the fear of not having something is a very difficult thing. You know, really believing this is going to happen and then but your 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 underlying feelings or your desire or fear. If I really believe that I'm going to have uh, an, an abundance, but yet I'm worried about how I'm paying the electric bill next month, it doesn't match. That's right. It's a complete failure match at that point. Yes. And counterproductive to boot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's what, and, and so what the what the brain picks up on, it, it isn't just picking up on a negative. The real burning desire is, I don't want to be without electricity. My God, that scares me. That's a burning desire to have electricity. Yeah. And so that that's where that, that comes in. So faith is a counter, sort of a counteraction to the, the negative side where, I really believe that I have this abundance. I really believe I have the abundance in this area of my life. I really believe that. I really, my actions are matching that. A burning desire requires action to go forward. I, I know we've talked about that. If, if athletes that, you know, if you want to go break a four-minute mile, you can have all the desire you want, but the actions have to match your training so you believe that that takes place. That's true. In fact, it makes me wonder. <laughs> the guy who broke the four minute mile did so about twenty years after this was published. I wonder if he read the book. Well, and, and, and I, we've used that example multiple times. And the the, the twenty the four minute mile was a, a a milestone that there's publications suggesting could, could never be broken. Yeah. And 
he broke it, and within two weeks of him breaking it, it was broken multiple times. Right, right. And, and, and that's that's amazing to me because it, it's just once it's done, then everybody else believes it. And now a four minute mile is is uh, it's slow. <laughs> it, it's slow. I mean, there, there's there's I forget which I, I was reading. There's a high school track team that had three people running under four minute miles <laughs> in high school, and you know it, it's 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 very it, it's just not that. I would love a four minute mile, by the way, Walt. But but again, I don't I don't have a burning desire to go get it. So uh, I'm I walk a twelve minute it. mile. So <laughs> yeah, in, in in my Porsche I can drive. Up, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I can do that pretty well, but I, I am not going to go go do the other. So, but that that's where it gets to, and I I think that's sort of the that's why I love this chapter so much. It really gets us to an understanding of just that burning desire that and how we and how it matches with that faith and how how the two get together that's such an important and you know an important piece of this it and the question that I, I i would assume that our audience would have if that if they haven't tried it or even read the books it would, would actually be what the what the next statement of the book or the next paragraph is how to develop faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you do? And, and actually, before he even describes how to develop it, he does something else that really rocked me the first time I read it. He says, he describes that faith is an emotion. And I've never, up, up until the time I read that, I had never thought of faith as being an emotion. I thought of it as being a state of mind, but not as an emotion. And he equates it to love and sex as being powerful emotions. Um, which is an inter- the, the interesting choice right there, faith, love, and sex. I'm not quite sure how that all came together, but <laughs> but nevertheless, well, those are the ones he picked, and he, he identifies them as major positive emotions. And his whole point is that when you combine faith with powerful emotion, that's when you get the, pow- the most powerful faith you can get. Right, right. And, and I think that's, that, that is sort of the, the – combination of all of this and when he talks about the emotional side of it because that you know like like love everybody will identify as emotion but you know faith and sex seem more like uh uh you, you know but you see where burning desire can get attached to that so uh his view of that being emotion and emotion has been debated by by some people i know but at the end of the day for the context of how he's using it, it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter which way we go it it certainly is a trainable thing and you you are able to train yourself to, to develop faith, and I think that's the key is is learning to to develop that faith, live in that faith, and not allow it to waver. That's how you start tuning into all of this. Well, you you mentioned earlier how you can have this burning desire to uh, have riches so that you can pay the electric bill, but if you're focused on being worried about paying the electric bill, that's not going to work, which is not all that far where from where my own situation has been lately in my mind. Um, and when you're when you're dealing with uh, any kind of financial lack, and, and it's very serious, it, it it's very scary. And you have to really work the various principles that you and I have talked about for well over a year now here on the show um, to get yourself out of that fear-based mode. Because you were right when you said, really, the opposite of faith is fear. And as the 12-stepers say, fear is really an acronym that stands for false evidence appearing real. Well... It may be false, but it sure doesn't feel false. <laughs> well, and and one of the things that I, I try to apply to to and, and I may this may not work here, but when is the last time you were totally unable to pay the electric bill or at least work out a deal with the electric company? How long has that been? 
Yeah, a long, long time. Okay. And I, I mean, I think everybody at some point in life has that. So the, the real evidence here is for a long time, and I'll use me for example, it's been, you know, 30 years since that's been a problem. Uh, so out of my life, there's been one or two times that it happened, but most of the time I've always been able to rally and make that work. So the real evidence is it's not likely I'm going to get there, but the fear of it makes it so much more likely than, than me focusing on. I've always managed to cover that. I've always managed to keep a roof over my head. I've always managed to do those things. So why am I so fearful of all these things that are, are, there's really no evidence except my fear of it. Right. And and the, the perception of it is so important to to step past that and say, here's where I go. Here's what I'm after right now. And I'm going to get this. And this won't be a – I have complete belief that that will happen. That is a hard bar to reach when the reality that I am not going to have enough money for my electric bill. And whether you're in – it's winter in, in – Connecticut or whether it's summer in Florida. Yeah, either way. <laughs> either way, not having electricity, and that is one of the, the hardest uh, things I've ever had to deal with because it not only was it just the, the not having electricity, but it's a reminder of how desperate your situation is. And that desperation is the worst possible thing to feel. Uh, in fact, last night, I was telling you about this before the show, but I want to talk about it here on the show. Last night, I was having trouble sleeping, and... Uh, got to be around uh, two thirty, three o'clock, and I'd been awake for an hour, an hour, hour uh, half hour to an hour, something like that. And I was realizing this isn't working out well. This is one of those. Th- this is turning out to be one of those nights if I keep on this path where I'm not going to get much sleep at all. And then when uh, I wake up to do the show with you, I'm only going to be at half my speed. I I can't do that. And then I remembered, oh yeah, well we're talking about thinking grow rich. Why don't I just take this time to read the next chapter? Because I'd only give it a skimming anyway, so I needed to, you know, really read it. And it's on my iPhone. I keep my iPhone next to the bed. So um, I reached over, picked up the phone, uh, switched to the Kindle reader, and started reading the chapter and realized that it was perfect. It was perfect for my situation, quite obviously, because my my weak faith was was leading me to feel the fear. So I got to uh, the section where it says, in big capital letters, faith is a state of mind which may be induced by auto-suggestion. Now, I have to admit, Joel, I have read this book a number of times. I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that from the past few times. And so I I read that section for a bit, and he he outlines all the different ways that faith is what he calls the eternal elixir, which gives life, power, and action to the impulse of thought. It's the starting point of all accumulation of riches. It's the basis of all miracles. He's going on and on like that. I said, well, okay, yeah, that's good, but uh, I need to have a little bit more than that. So when is that going to come? I know it comes here somewhere. He actually takes some some time, so I was beginning to lose a little more confidence, if you will. And then finally he came to the self-confidence formula. I said, ah, okay, this is what I need. So I started reading it. Let, let's let's read uh, the, the first two here because they're, they're really critical to my little story. Um, the first is, I know that I have the ability to achieve the object of my definite purpose in life. Therefore, I demand of myself persistent, continuous action toward its attainment, and I here and now promise to render such action. Well, I thought, okay, uh, I've been trying to do that, not terribly successfully, but at least I'm on the right track with the first one. 
And then he got to the second one. He says, second, I realize the dominating thoughts of my mind will eventually reproduce themselves in outward physical action and gradually transform themselves into physical reality. Therefore, I will concentrate my thoughts for 30 minutes daily upon the task of thinking of the person I intend to become, thereby creating in my mind a clear mental picture of that person. Now, I have to tell you, Joel, when I read that, two thoughts came to my mind. The first thought was, boy, am I glad I have been doing these shows with Joel and trying to practice this stuff. Because back when I first read this, I'm sure I skipped past it when I saw 30 minutes because I knew there was no way I could hang out for 30 minutes on the same thought. <laughs> but, oh, uh, but now, yeah. having practiced some of the other kinds of affirmations and so forth, at least it seemed like it was in reach. But even then, 30 minutes seemed like a long time. I said, wow, can I really do 30 minutes? Well... I put the phone down and I just decided, okay, I'm going to try to do it. And I spent, I, I think it was actually longer than 30 minutes. I didn't actually time it, but if I had timed it, I suspect it probably would have come out to 45 minutes. I was just, you know, working my way through my own visualization of the steps that I'm planning to take to get to where I want to be and then thinking about what kind of person I will be as I take those steps. And an amazing thing happened. The second thing is the amazing thing that happened. I not only finished the 30 minutes, but I immediately went to sleep and woke up just 15 minutes before you and I started to do the show. So I broke the pattern of not being able to sleep. I prepared for the show, and I did my first session all in one. That's well, and and that's the beauty of it. I mean, you 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 actually applied it. You saw it work, and it, I, I think whether it's uh, not just this, in any type of self help or. Um, one of the things that I've always been amazed at is, and th I'll speak from my personal experience, we we get to parts of these descriptions of what we're supposed to do, and the piece that doesn't match us, or the piece, like you're saying, 30 minutes on one thought, that, no, no chance. Yeah, that, that's zero. a lot of time. That's a lot, yeah. I, I, I know it, whether it's a, the fourth step in a in the 12, step, 12 steps of recovery, uh, you know, that's where most people get stuck. Or uh, And what is with, the fourth step for those who don't know? Uh, to make a, 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 a fearless searching moral and financial inventory of ourselves. Uh, that could meaning, take days. <laughs> that could, well, it, 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 it done properly, it should take about a month. Okay. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and most people will say, well, I've done that in my head. And I'm like, well, do you know what takes place in your head? That's a dangerous place to be doing anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so it, it, for people to successfully do a four-step, it is a handwritten, multiple-page document that should take you a while. Uh, and and that that's – so people get stuck there. Well, then the same thing with the law of attraction where whether you're doing – you know, sit down and literally do it. Oh, that doesn't apply to me because I can't do that. Because right? the first time I read it, just like you, I'm like, oh, no. I, I can't do that for eight seconds, much less 30 minutes. And, and, and I'm sure I just skipped past it mentally, like just blocked it out of my oh head. Yeah. We do that, you know, or or, or it, whether it's, you know, writing down what we want or doing a vision board or doing the things that we automatically say, well, you know, I, I have a, a, a teacher that I really respect that that he's a, a doctor that's a practitioner of this. And he told me, he said, I forget exactly which thing it was. I said, well, that doesn't work for me. And he goes, that's where you need to focus your energy then. Do it. <laughs> oh, that's a smart man. If you follow it, well, that, that, that doesn't work. For, well, that, that's why, that's the problem. You're not, you're not doing it mm -hmm. right. And, uh, and so it's, it's almost like when you get to these things, so that 30 minutes is such a, 
Um, number one, it's empowering that you're able to put that energy and focus there. And, and if you really, I look at it the other way now, if you can't come up with 30 minutes, then how, how much of a burning desire is this really? And, and that, that's sort of the way to look at it, that I can do 30 minutes now. In fact, I can do quite a bit of time doing that. And it doesn't have to be constant thought. You know, your, your mind will wander a little bit in the process, but bring yourself back during that. And that's really important. Well, that's also why I brought up what is a burning desire, because it occurs to me that when I'm in that fear state, the burning desire doesn't seem to be burning anymore. It seems to right. be almost cold. So yes. I realized that's a bad warning sign right there. And that means I, I, I need something else. So when I, when I saw that the chapter was about faith last night and I realized, oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about during this week's podcast. That's when it all connected that faith and, and desire really have to work together. You have to have both of them. And if you're lacking on both of them, then it's important that you do both of the exercises for desire and the, the exercises for faith to build each other up. In yes. other words, by doing the desire exercises, you help build the faith up. By doing the faith exercises, you help build the, the desire up. And that that is that is just you're so in tune you know, by doing that. You're so in tune of the point and, and the, the, the idea that you instead of just glossing over that piece – you, you you tuned in on it, and I think that's why you're able to get some sleep. You subconsciously are like, okay, I got this. This is this is going to be okay. This will work. Exactly. That that was the feeling that I had, and I still have it this morning. That yeah. What the the thing, or the lack of thing, I guess it's probably better to describe it. The lack of thing that I was so afraid of turns out to be less potent in my mind just by doing this exercise, which right. is exactly what I needed. Right. And, 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 and it worked. And, and it did yeah. the first. I didn't have to do it for 30 days. <laughs> it was the first day. Well, and, that, and that's that's the, the thing that this stuff really starts to work when you you really put yourself into it. And that that walking through as one of the reasons we're walking through the this this chapter by chapter each week is how important these concepts can be and how they're really the cornerstone. And when you when you really apply them, you see real results. And it's usually much faster than they say, but they, like you're saying, instead of 30 days, it was a first day and, and continue to, to do that. And this will continue to get better, but that there is a war taking place and it's not in the middle East. It's, it's, it's between your ears. Yes. And, and it is that, that negative that I love your description of that. It's not a burning desire. It's a cold, dark, desolate place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, that, that's what fear feels like. Fear yes. feels cold. Louise was pointing that out to me yesterday. Fear feels cold. And when, yes. you, when you feel cold, you huddle up, you know, you're closed in and all that kind of stuff. And, and you're not feeling the desire. You're not feeling the, the faith. You're not feeling any of the positive emotions. You're feeling cold. You're feeling desolate. You're feeling alone. If any time that we've ever had those feelings, we don't really think of that as being in a negative fear-based place, but that's where we are. And recognizing that is how I was able to come to the conclusion that I need to study this stuff. It's the recognition that makes the difference. And, and when you recognize that that, first of all, is a bad place and you really don't want to be there. And second of all, that you actually can climb out of it fairly quickly by, by doing the kinds of exercises that Napoleon Hill describes in his book. That becomes a motivator. That, that actually becomes the first step for faith right there. Yes. 
Yes, and and that I'm, I'm so I'm I'm so much a believer. I w- I've witnessed this happen countless times for people that that are, you know, the the people that sort of lose everything and really have a point of okay, you know, this is a bottom, and and you know when you get to the to that very end, they seem to have an easier time to deal dealing with that than the people who are trying not to lose any everything. And I believe that once you sort of lose everything, you're more open to. And I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to go lose everything. I sure don't want to. <laughs> no, but but it, it it's it's almost like that's the point that you can just sort of give in to all of this. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it's I know for me, uh, it was a lot easier to quit fearing all this stuff that I was living. I, I remember that those you know I, those that have read my book or I've heard me talk, I. I, you know, have been in recovery from a gambling addiction now for over 20 years, and the low parts of my gambling addiction—that's uh, uh, how I know about not having electricity, uh, not having a place to live, uh, going to jail, all of those things. And I, every one of those things that I feared horribly, all happened, but they allowed me to. I brought them about by my behavior. The fear of losing everything caught, drove me to lose everything. It is when all that was gone that I was able to come up and develop the faith of, of everything because it's like at that point I wasn't fearing anything left. There was nothing left to fear. Yeah, you're kind of in a, a corner and, and there, there are only two choices at that point. It's either die or right. just change and turn it around because there's, yeah. there's no third option at that point. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's like you know the the one of the most freeing moments in my entire life is is when I was placed into a jail cell and the doors closed behind me. At that point, I was able to go, whew, okay, good deal. That's behind us now. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that had to happen. It was great. And, well, and not that I enjoyed it or not do I want to go back, but it was something that was able to uh, – the fear of that drove me for a long time. And I, a lot of my behavior was trying to avoid that, which created more of a desire, to, you know, an unwilling desire to be there. And on the opposite side, I think that that this development moving forward is a very is very exciting that you can develop this faith and and that it is it is a tool. We have tools to help us be, to develop it, believe it. And when you really are buying in, that's when the magic happens. And you talk about how it's easier when you've already hit bottom than it is when you're trying to avoid hit bottom. And you know what? That's probably true because certainly um, I, I, have, I have not come to a, a hitting bottom place, and I, I really don't want to hit that kind of a bottom. I, I want to try to avoid it. Th- that's actually given me in ways that I hadn't realized until you started mentioning it right there, that's actually given me a, another foundational basis for developing my burning desire because I have become bound and determined that I'm going to learn to apply this without having to hit that kind of bottom, without being in that kind of a trap situation where it's only choose between death and turn my life around. And it may be harder. It, may be, it certainly is. It's not been the easiest thing I've ever dealt with. But boy, oh boy, am I determined to do it. Right, and, and I think that's the key. And, and I, I don't want anyone to to hear me suggest that I think hitting bottom is a good thing. I, I think there, uh, you can get off the elevator on the way down anytime you want. I, I, I believe that. But that elevator is going down when you're in that mindset and understanding you can get off that elevator and 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 draw your, you know, you can create 
declare any part of your life a bottom and say, I'm going to bounce off of this bottom right now. Yeah, really. And, a, b- a bottom means that's just as low as you go. You don't go any lower. It, right. And and so, uh, uh, you know, people think of a, a bottom can be forced upon you or you can create it and move up from that. And and that's the thing that, that helps is is we have we have this ability. We have this incredible power at our disposal. It's amazing how it works. And it it works for good and it works for bad. It doesn't have any emotion of how it works. It's just it's working. And I think you see that. And and now that you're able to directly apply these suggestions as they're intended to be applied, you're starting to feel that. Now, I have to admit, he, he has, uh, for this chapter, he has this, this six-step thing again. And, and, of course, we were just discussing the second one. When I get to the third one, I have to admit there's a little bit of confusion in my mind because of what he says. So let me tell you what the confusion is, and you tell me what your take on it is. He says, for, for number three, I know through the principle of autosuggestion, any desire that I persistently hold in my mind will eventually seek expression through some practical means of attaining the object back of it. Therefore, I will devote ten minutes daily to demanding of myself the development of self-confidence. And the thing that trips me is ten minutes. He just had me do a thirty-minute exercise. Why ten? I, I I never I never understood that. Uh, oh, good. Day. So I'm not alone yeah. in this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's sort of like we'll do the thirty-minute exercise for a while, then go back to the ten. You know, sort of a maintenance type thing. I'm going to do ten. Maybe. Uh, uh, that that I, I I've never quite. He didn't explain that. He explained so many things so well, but to have that that discrepancy doesn't make sense either. So uh, uh, I, I've always just sort of uh, said, when in doubt, uh, do more. So you know. Well, well that's uh, the way I see. It. I mean, I, in my mind, I'm going to replace that 10 minutes with 30 minutes because I experienced just how powerful doing it for 30 minutes was. Well, and, that, and that's what I have my, my clients do. I have them 30 minutes. Uh, I try to get 30 minutes in every day, no matter what. And, and you know, it, it's incorporated in what I – it's sort of a meditation I do. Uh, it's quiet. I sit alone I in a darkened – not totally dark, but a darkened room. Uh, usually try to keep it relatively cool, and I can just really focus. Uh, I, I get 30 minutes in every day, and uh, I, I find it to be incredibly – like you're saying, it, it, it does that. So I, I never I never grasp the difference. Um, you go from 30 minutes daily uh, and then devote 10 minutes to it. I, I, I didn't figure that out. It, it's something that he, he, he doesn't describe the discrepancy, so I don't know why. Maybe it's just a typo. <laughs> call it that. We'll call it that. So moving on to number four, he says, I have clearly written down a description of my definite chief aim in life, and I will never stop trying until I have developed sufficient self-confidence for its attainment, which is really just a reinforcement of what you and I just talked about, the fact that you, you do a daily meditation, and I, I just talked about how I want to be doing this 30 minutes every day. Well, that's... The only thing that, that's really different with number four is he's also saying write it down, which is important. Um, and indeed, I've already taken steps previously to this to write it down. And, and now that uh, I know it's part of this particular six-step process, after we're done with the show, I'm going to write it down again specific to this particular task. But nevertheless, it's, it's a continuation of that 30-minute process. It basically is a way of hammering it home and making it really, really stick. Yes, Absolutely, and and it and it it really it prepares you for uh, the the which my favorite one is the fifth, which you're about to describe. And, and well, go ahead, think, you, you describe it. I mean, because the fifth is is a, is a really good one, and since it's your favorite, you might as well be the one to bring it up. Uh, okay, well, one of the things that that really uh, hit home with me is 
as I was doing this and as I'm continuing to, to, to work, I, you know, I, well, let me read the fifth verse. It says, okay. I fully, I fully realize that no wealth or position can long endure unless built upon truth and justice. Therefore, I will engage in no transaction which does not benefit all whom it affects. Mm. I will succeed by attracting, uh, I, I will succeed by attracting to myself the forces I wish to use in the cooperation of other people. I will induce others to serve me because of my willingness to serve others. And that, I want to put a little, just a little star there, and then we're to go on. Uh, I will eliminate hate, envy jealousy, selfishness, and cynicism by developing love for all humanity because I know that a negative attitude toward others can never bring me success. I will cause others to believe in me because I believe in them and in myself. I will sign my name to this formula and commit it, uh, and commit it to memory and repeat it aloud every day in, in full faith that it will gradually influence my thoughts and actions so I'll become a better uh, that I will become a self-reliant and successful person. That's the not really part of the fifth, but that's it actually goes the, together. Six, the sixth one. Yeah, yeah. but that's, yeah. that's still valid. It's valid and to me. They sort of go together. But the, the, and where I wanted to put that little little, little period, that little star there, it, it is that to me was was eye opening. That I will, you know, this isn't just about me, and this where where this taps into. And it's sort of some studies that I've looked at. This goes way, way back into some of the ancient Eastern teachings, you know, the, some Chinese teachings from centuries ago, from thousands of years ago. And uh, let, the, let's reread that sentence because I think you're touching on something pretty important here. The sentence says, I will induce others to serve me because of my willingness to serve others. Yes. And that goes way back to, you know, what you put out there is what you get back. That's an ancient belief that that is the karma or whatever term you want to attach to that. But that willingness, others will serve me as because of my willingness to serve others. That is successful leaders have uh, developed that skill. Uh, there's there you can lead by fear and you can lead by example. You can lead by a willingness to be led. I know that sounds crazy, but when people really buy into you as a leader and a willingness to others will serve you, not because of you demanding it, but when you, you know, when you put it out there, one of the things that, that I, one of the jokes you and I have always sort of laughed about is me and my interactions with Comcast. Yeah. And, uh, uh, one of the things I develop in an effective way to deal with them is no matter how frustrated I am with, with trying to get them on the phone and deal with them, the person on the phone is not, is, has not created or any problem for me, that person. So I start off by, by telling them, I, you know, I, I imagine you hear a lot of stuff all day and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be that person. And they almost want to serve me better because I acknowledge that in them. I'm serving them in the sense that, wow, what what an incredible difficult job you have because you have a, you actually work for a company that's not well respected, but yet you're in the the area that you you get all of the the hassle from people, and you sit here all day and you're really sincerely trying to help them. That's got to be a frustrating place for you. Well, the moment I do that, they're like, well, thank you for saying that. That means a lot, <laughs> and they become so willing to help me. It's a tool that that and, I, and that that's a, a sort of a silly example worried about cable, but it, it it sort of translate to life. I know when uh, 
business and, and when I was getting you know my, my business license to uh, conduct business here in uh, Virginia and I, I, I didn't know what I was doing and, and I just literally stopped up at the office introduced myself to the sort of the man in charge of that and within seven minutes I had a business license <laughs> He, he said, well, normally it takes a couple. Don't worry about it. I'll just do it right now. He said, and, and, and again, it, it was, I didn't go in there demanding. I didn't, I, I went in there and I served his need to, in that case, his need was to be recognized for, uh, wow, he does a really hard job. So I, I, I really like to stress that, that you can't do this and be, have, have a hateful mind toward others, or it, it refers to, you know, you, I, I can't I have to not have hatred, envy, jealousy, uh, selfishness or cynicism. If you're looking at the world that way, this this isn't going to work. Yeah. I mean, any codependent can tell you that because a codependent yes. is trying to get you to lead them in the way that they want you to lead them so that what you're doing is what controls their happiness, which right. is exactly the opposite of what you need to do. Right. And and, and so the, the idea that you view the world as. And that's hard to do sometimes, but it, it really is a factor for me that is so huge. Uh, and, you know, when you first hear this, this statement, I read it, it was like, I will induce others to serve me. I mean, when you first read that, but then it follows with, because of my willingness to serve others. I'm, 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 others will serve me not because of, the, of my demands, it's because they quickly will see I'm willing to serve others. Which means that your desire to serve others is an actual desire to serve others. It's not a manipulative ploy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, it gets you, uh, it, first of all, it makes you feel better. And when you, when you serve sure. others, it brings, it, it brings this to, to light. So I think this is so important. And, and I, this is my favorite part, portion of this, that I, you know, I realize that no wealth or position can endure unless it's built upon truth and justice, meaning it has to be the right thing. It has to, you know, you have to do it with the, the right intentions. It's interesting that you say that this is your favorite part, because I have to say when I first read it, my first reaction was, well, yeah, that's the way things are, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was an eye opener to find out it wasn't. <laughs> Well, it, it's my favorite part because it reinforces the way things really are. Um, but I think a lot of times, and, and by no means trying to introduce a late negative to our, our show today, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't, I don't know if the world sees it that way anymore. At least we're 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 not we're not told it's that way anymore. But I I believe it is that way. Yeah, it's almost like what they labeled the 1980s. The, the 1980s were labeled as the me generation, right? Right. And, and the me generation was supposed to be the most selfish and the most uh, you know, self-centered and uninterested in helping others generation of all, which actually wasn't really true, but it was the perception of it. And, and I look at what's going on today and I say to myself, from that point of view, is there any real big difference? Right. Not really. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that, that's such a uh, uh, that, that's such a great example of of, you know, again, it's about perspective. It's about what you want to do. I, I'm, I'm all about. I want everybody to be wildly successful. There's plenty for everyone. There's not a limitation here. I want everybody to be wildly successful. I, I would love for people to, uh, I love people to reach their goals. I, I, I don't want to be in competition with someone. I want everybody to be raised up to the top. With that being said, I am I, aware there's other people that like to, to rise to the top by stepping on the back of others. 
I, I, I don't think you stay there if you do that. But I, I, I can either be that person or I can look at it differently. I, I have developed success by helping others develop success. And, and that's probably the key is realizing you can actually rise higher by, by helping somebody else get there. Yes. And I, I often I will often tell people who come into the office uh, uh, and they're, they're seeking something. One of my statements is pursue what you're after with a burning desire, with great intensity, where it's your every waking moment. And if you don't know what that is right now, help somebody else who does know what that is and help them achieve their goal. It's like the mountain climbing metaphor where you have two climbers climbing in tandem and one reaches a certain level and then he pounds in his, his uh, pylon and ties his, his line to it. And then his partner below uses him as a safety line to get to the next step above him and then does the same thing and they're working their way up the mountain that way together by helping each other get up there right and that that that's sort of the 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 thing here when you when when this is a a just belief that you're having when you're doing that, that the law of attraction tunes in and and this is and, and it's just to be able to be successful. There's no there doesn't have to always be a philanthropic attachment to it, but a willingness that when when we are successful, that it, and if we believe that, I, I will I will be helping others. I will put my money where my mouth is. I will not just uh, talk about helping others. I will actually help others. And, and for my money, the only way that I've ever been able to make sense out of anything in life is by helping others. I, I honestly can't really see how anyone can succeed by not doing that. I, apparently they do, but I don't understand it. To me, yes. it, it, I mean, I, I look at it as we're all in this together. <laughs> That's just the way I've always seen it. And, there, and, and the times when I felt like I was in it all by myself where I knew those are the times where I wasn't getting anywhere. But there were the times when I had the, the greatest amount of failure you could possibly happen. So how could people get there, get, get to the top, whatever, on their own without any participation, without helping anybody else, without being even concerned about anybody else. It didn't make any sense to me. And, and that's that's so true, Walt. And, and that I, I know I would assume there's, you know, not everybody feels that way, but it, it's not really relevant to me. But, but when I when I one of the things when I was selling insurance for my father um, years ago, which was not a happy time, not a happy time. I did not like the business. I didn't like the. Now, it can be argued that insurance is something that's helping people, is helping people protect things. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not saying it's not a, a – a, it doesn't have a positive attached to it. But it didn't for you. It didn't for me. And, that, and that's, the, that's the thing. I saw no – to me, it was like, oh, gosh, this is the worst stuff in the world. Mm. It's, you're selling an intangible. Uh, and nobody, it, nobody's ever happy. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's like they're mad that their premium went up or they're mad that they didn't get how, you know, how much value their car was totaled and they didn't get what they thought it was worth. You know, nobody's ever calling to say, boy, this is great. Thank you. Yeah, right. You, know, like, <laughs> you, you don't get the Comcast experience. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, the the, the idea that, that you uh, – I know I, I'll never forget this when, when this, this couple had this uh, – their house burned down and my dad the, the insurance company that we were dealing with and had an insured actually was was headquartered not very far so 
and this was for publicity as much as anything else. But he he calls the look. This the house burned down. We're going to be paying all this. You know, let's get them a check today. Mm. It burned down last night. Let's give them, you know, at least uh, the value of their dwelling today, and and you know, get it out there. And that's going to, you know, the, the newspaper is going to be out there. You know, the you know, the Elston Insurance Agency right. uh, delivers a check the same day. You know, that that's what we're seeking. Of course. So. You know, he goes out there, and the guys, the guy looks at us, and and because there's there's not just the dwelling, there's the contents as well. You know, that's important, piece. right? Right. Um, you know, and and so he looks at Chad and he goes, "Is this all?" <laughs> and my dad was like, "Well, no. It's it's there's there's going to be more, but but I wanted to get you what I could." And I said, "Oh, I thought you'd bring me the whole thing." Whoa. And and and, and, and so it's like, oh. You know, I mean, you, you, you it, it was a great act to get a, you know, a, a hundred and twenty thousand dollar check to him that day. Yeah. Um, and and and, you know, now there's going to be more, but, but again, the guy immediately went to the negative. So even within that, so I never thought insurance for me was, was something that was helping people. But as I, I developed other areas of helping people and working with people in addiction, I found great value in that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it because I truly feel I'm helping people. Mm-hmm makes a big difference it makes a huge difference um and, and by the way you also as you read the fifth step which is probably one of the longest steps you wrote in the book by the way i mean that thing goes on and on but right. as you read it you also read into the sixth step and and i don't want to skip over that one because that one's important i'll read it again it says i will sign my name to this formula committed to memory and repeat it aloud once a day with full faith that it will gradually influence my thoughts and actions so that i will become a self-reliant and successful person interestingly enough you're doing this to develop faith and you're supposed to do it with full faith i always thought that was a little bit interesting but the point is that this is almost a contract with yourself isn't it and and you're committing to it in writing yes and i think that's what he's trying to to develop you're trying to Develop that that where you believe it. I'm in contract with this this theory, and I have to. I, I'm obligated to fulfill it. And he follows it with a line that says, "Back of this formula is a law of nature which no man has yet been able to explain. It has baffled the scientists of all ages. The psychologists have named this law autosuggestion and let it go at that." Well, autosuggestion at that time was almost unheard of because I know today it's something people are aware of but it's kind of on their periphery of their attention and you know nobody really pays attention to it. it's one of those those you know semi-quack theories right <laughs> right exactly and yet it is at the core of the law of attraction well it, and you know and they try there's been multiple names attached to it you know the the the, the, they've always tried you know auto suggestion uh neuro-linguistic programming there there's there's things that have, have while there's science attached to it it's always been dismissed still is dismissed by traditional uh psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health professionals because it it, it doesn't match their narrative of you're not in control of these things you're not the victim of these things and and the the that's their narrative the the real narrative is you bring about what you think about fact and that that's a hard pill to swallow for many people and oh especially when you're first exposed to it because that, that that was the the biggest bugaboo of all i mean i didn't really recognize it as that but when i first read this book many years ago and kind of got through to this stage of the book to the third chapter and was reading through it and then skipped over the 30 minute exercise and the whole nine yards uh, i was saying to myself 
okay, yeah, it's kind of like what you said. It sounds like religion to me. I'm not right. so sure that this actually makes sense. It seems like it has some good stuff in it, but I'm not so sure this really makes sense. So maybe I'll just take the good parts out of it, and I'll just leave the rest of it behind. No, 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 no. The, you you got to have the whole thing, because the whole thing is what really drives it, is what makes it work. And if you leave out the things like auto-suggestion, uh, you know, basically repeating these things to yourself, doing the 30-minute exercise, doing all the exercises, if you skip any of them, you're basically taking the power out of it. The, and that that becomes the key is is when, and that's where everybody gets stuck is it, it, when you take stuff out because it doesn't match your comfort zone or level or you're automatically dismissing automatically dismissing this because it it, it quote unquote doesn't work for me or it, I don't think it'll work for me it, the, right off the bat you're you're setting yourself up for failure here is a literal formula to follow if you don't follow it then you can't be upset that it didn't work. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because by being selective that way, we're basically hiding from ourselves the fact that we never really tried it. Right. right. <laughs> that, that's, and, and, that's like the little embarrassing thing you put in the closet, like, oh, I don't really want to show that part. Right. And, and I, I think for me that that was always the uh, things that I, I had have challenged me or things that have, have uh, over my life that the, getting out of my comfort zone and placing myself in situations that weren't comfortable uh, was always, I think that's difficult for everyone. So the idea that I'm, I'm when something like this, or I don't want to do this, or I, I don't like this, if you don't want to do it, that's probably the thing you need to do the most. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It does. Well, it's like what you were talking about before. Um, I can't remember if it was before we did the, the podcast or not, but you're talking about your friend who said, if, if there's some part of it that you're having that much trouble with, it's probably the thing that you need to focus on the most. Right. It, yeah. If, if your knowledge is, if, you know, if like the vision board thing always seemed just to be honest with you, it seemed really stupid to me. It's like, okay. Yeah. I, I had very much the same reaction to it. The, yeah. the vision board. And, yeah. And, oh, right. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. That that's you know, boy, I hope somebody doesn't see me doing a vision board. <laughs> and uh Boy, will that be embarrassing, and, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. And so what I did was, you know, instead of and, and I did adapt it to myself, I I I just took basically a um a word processing processing program and I just started pitch putting pictures on it that what I wanted to obtain, what I wanted to do. I started writing descriptions of things. And I put it on there. Not every day. I, I visually took a sort of a screenshot of that, and then I made it a screensaver. So it's in my face a lot, and I would remind myself my my vision board would be my screensaver, and it was a really. I found it to be very effective, and at the time when I found it to be most successful, we talk about this in the past, is I wanted a specific treatment center, center to be created, and I had it in great detail what I wanted. There was no possible way I could afford it financially or would anyone consider financing it because it just it was had no shot of making money so the idea of it when I knew ahead of time it had no chance of being profitable but I wanted to do it anyway I'm like okay that's a silly idea that you can ever do that well I'll I mean I'll be well it, I had a man contact me that that literally we opened up that treatment center I, I have to ask you too you're creating a vision board, which means you're creating visual images. How do you visualize a treatment center? Well, I, I, I just described I wanted this. I wanted a big building in a rural setting. So I found a 
uh, an old Victorian mansion that's on a big hill in the middle. I, did, it, I didn't know where it was, but it didn't really matter for the sake of that. And then I, I would, then I would make a list of my staff, my vision. You know, I had, my, I had a hypnotherapist, I had a massage therapist, I had a, a, a your, your cognitive behavioral therapist, I had a, a MD psychiatrist that specialized in addiction. I, I actually created a, my staff list. And I made up fake names even. <laughs> that's you know, pretty and, cool. That's very yeah, good visualization. Yeah. And then I had a schedule for the day. You know, they will get up, they'll exercise first thing of the day. They'll exercise. I'll have the personal trainer exercise them. They will then do a group session uh, where we, we get the day started. Then we'll, we'll, we'll have a, a, a break for lunch. Then we'll have three or four individual sessions. Then we'll go to a meeting in the evening. Uh, and, and we'll create meetings in the evening. We, we won't do a, a – and, and we'll have nutritional food, uh, which – reduce sugar and, and I went to great detail I even prepared menus and wow. I brought about and, and by the <laughs> time it was done I literally went to work for that treatment center now it wasn't my treatment center but I was director of that treatment center uh, I, I don't know what's more impressive the fact that you did a vision board on a treatment center I, I couldn't even imagine how you would, would would put a picture of a treatment center on there you went way beyond that. Your detail, your level of detail was fantastic. It's no surprise at all to me that it actually manifested, considering how but, much detail you had. And, and, and this will tell you something else. I, I did it laughing at myself doing it. There's no way I could afford this because the population that I was wanting to serve is compulsive gamblers. And by definition, they, they don't have money. any money, right? Yeah. And, and <laughs> they it gambled it all away. <laughs> yeah. So that was the ironic thing about it. I said, well, there's no way to ever do this. Well, <laughs> turns out the man that was doing it, um, his wife was incredibly wealthy, had great wealth. She was a tobacco. She is a tobacco heiress. So money was not even a, a factor in this process. It was a passion for him. And I was able to get on board with it. And there was probably no way before you went through this process that you could have ever imagined finding somebody like that. You, no, had, you no. had to attract it. It was the only hope you had. Yeah, I mean, and he called me randomly one day. And and during this process, I didn't even realize what I was doing. He, he said, well, I'm going to open up a, a treatment center for gamblers. And, I'm, and he was actually going to be a competitor and because uh, I was working for another company at the time. And I'm, I'm like, well, I hope you are successful. And he, he started to, he said, I want to come down and describe to you what I want to do. So he came down, he sat in a session with me and, and, uh, afterwards, uh, uh, showed me his plans. And I remember going, Oh my gosh, that looks almost just like the house. I have a picture of on my vision board. Wow. Wow. That's really something. And, yeah. and now you were working at a, at a different agency at that point. It, I was, and, and, and we were dealing with the same thing. I mean, we had plenty of clients, but they were showing up to us with no money. Right. So interesting. So you see that you see where the vision board, and at least as we're talking about this, and I, and, and I don't want to get too far off of where we were. Well, we only have about but, a minute left anyway, so we got to be quick. Exactly, taking the steps we have to take, and not worrying about what we feel about them. That's so important, Walt. It's very important. It's essential. If if you can create those details, that's how you're putting out to the universe the thing that you really want to attract. So I want to remind everybody, unfortunately, as usual, we ran out of time much too soon. Uh, we only have an hour to do this each week. Uh, that's the, uh, the amount of time we have allocated to us for P on, on PRN. Um, but uh, please get the book if you haven't got it already. Read it. Keep up with us because we're going to be doing this again next week. And, Joel, it's been a pleasure as usual. I'm glad that we're doing this one because this is probably the best project we've done so far. 
Well, it's great to talk to you. Look forward to talking to you next week. Look forward to talking to you too. And uh, we'll be reading the. Uh, we'll, we'll read the rest of this chapter because we actually haven't finished this chapter. We'll pick up the next chapter two next week, and hopefully we won't uh, take too long to go through all these episodes. But on the other hand, it's been great doing all this, and we invite you to join us as well as we continue our odyssey of Think and Grow Rich here on LOA Today. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.